In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the epistle of St. Paul says, or exhorts us, I should say, to walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And this exhortation contains four words or concepts, walk, spirit, lust, and flesh. And these need to be defined and explained if we're going to have any sense of exactly what it is St. Paul is exhorting us to do. The word walk in the New Testament refers to one's manner of life. It's likely that to walk became a synonym for one's manner of life because everyone walked everywhere in the ancient world. Therefore, to walk is the way you go about living. So walk in the spirit means live in the spirit. The spirit is the Holy Spirit, the gift that God has given to us in baptism, which we receive by faith. The gift of the spirit restores us to the state of union with God that we lost through sin. In Genesis 2-7, in creating Adam, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Adam was created to live in union with God, in the bond of God's breath or spirit. The disobedience of Genesis 3 severed that bond of union. On Pentecost, the risen and ascended Christ sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to restore to us what was lost in Adam through sin. <clears throat> As Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Christ is the new man, the new Adam. His obedience and the gift of the Spirit bring us back into the union with God that was lost through sin. Today's epistle, by exhorting us to walk in the Spirit, emphasizes that the gift of the Spirit leads us into a new way of life. Salvation is not merely an insurance policy against a future place called hell. We experience salvation right now as we live in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit produces what St. Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit, which he lists as love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As these things are produced in our lives, this is the evidence that we are walking or living in the spirit. The medium of life in the spirit is prayer. Prayer, in this sense, describes our entire manner of life, not just saying prayers at certain times. This is why we call it the life of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 exhorts us to pray without ceasing. This means to live all of life 
in connection to God through the Spirit. Specific disciplines and times of prayer cultivate within us a continuous awareness of God's presence, a prayerfulness. If we try to remain mindful of God at all times without any disciplines of prayer, we will be like an athlete who prepares for the game by thinking about the game from time to time, but does not practice the skills by disciplined workouts. The failure of this method will be revealed in the tension moments of life and the game. <clears throat> the epistle contrasts the life of prayer and the fruits of the spirit it produces with the lusts of the flesh, which produce the works or deeds of the flesh. Now, the word lust here is a bit of a mistranslation, or at least it's a little misleading to our ears. The word simply means desire. It is not explicitly sexual in meaning, and it can refer to good desire as well as bad in the Bible. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 2.17, using the same word, St. Paul speaks of his great desire to see the Thessalonians, which we take to be a good thing. What the epistle calls the lusts or desires of the flesh are the disordered desires of our human nature when we live in separation from God. When we do not live in prayerful connection to God, we devolve to what one of our colleagues calls the devices and desires of our own hearts. We devolve from God's children into emotionally reactive animals. When God created Adam, he raised him above the other creatures to bear his image. Adam's vocation in the beginning was to grow from an infant child of God into a mature adult in God's image. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sin cut off the process of growth and caused humanity to devolve in the other direction and behave more like the animals. The state of separation from God is manifested in the kinds of behavior that St. Paul lists in the epistle as the deeds of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Sinful humanity can actually become worse than the animals because we can plot and plan and scheme our sin, whereas the animals merely act on instinct. It is important to know that the word flesh in the New Testament is not synonymous with the body or with physical things. It refers to human nature and separation from God, not embodied human nature. God created Adam with a body. In Christ, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We look, as we just said in the creed, for the resurrection of the body and the life in the world to come. Our hope is an embodied hope. The body is inherently good because God 
created it, redeemed it, and perfected it. Life in the spirit is life in the body as God intends it to be lived. The epistle presents the spirit and flesh as principles of life that war or compete within us. We experience this tension in daily life in the conflict between our natural reactive emotionality and what God's word and God's spirit call us to do. <clears throat> For example, let's say we're driving on the freeway and someone cuts us off, or in my case, just drives a little bit too slowly. We might experience a natural reaction of anger expressed in choice words, which might be St. Paul's outburst of wrath. Later on, when we settle down, we might be surprised at the intensity of the emotion that came over us. And if freeway driving does not provoke you to this kind of thing, you can envision the tension spaces in your life that cause you to become reactive and pull you away from a sense of God's presence and from who you are in him. Our natural emotional reactivity <clears throat> has deep roots in our formative life experiences. When provoked or triggered, this emotionality, this reactivity, often carries the weight of much more than just the presenting circumstance. This reactivity has the power to override our faith and our moral principles. This is why we must walk in the spirit or live the life of prayer. The disciplines of the life of prayer will not eliminate our reactivity or the temptations it presents to us. What prayer will do is make us more aware of it and increasingly give us the grace and power to resist its impulse. As we learn to hold on to Christ in the tensioned spaces of life, we become aware of the things we are reacting to. We learn to see temptation for what it is. We find the grace and power to say no, which means to say or do nothing of significance when we're in an emotionally reactive state. Here we can see how life in the spirit, the life of prayer, saves us from the flesh, from our disordered reactive emotionality. <clears throat> we are saved not only from a future state called hell, we are saved from sin, guilt, shame, fear, and separation from God right now. As we grow in the life for prayer, we realize that living in union with God is better than what our disordered desires promise us. In the early stages of the Christian life, God is often seen as a kind of spoil sport who puts up rules to keep us from enjoying things. As we grow and see and experience temptation for what it really is, we learn that the moral boundaries save us from separation from God, save us from captivity to our disordered desires. 
we come to realize that nothing in this world is worth the price of separation from Christ. Life in the Spirit begins in baptism and in conversion of the heart to faith. It is renewed in the Eucharist. Here, we begin our time on the first day of the week by renewing our union with God in Christ through the Spirit. Here, with the healed Samaritan leper in the Gospel, we return to give thanks and our faith makes us whole. As we return to the world, we hold on to this life, this salvation, which is producing eternal fruits within us. We walk in the spirit so that we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.